From the Vaults, audio from Edmonton's past. This recording consists of an interview of Grace McEachern, conducted by David Leonard on October 9th, 1978. This material was originally recorded on a 5-inch open reel tape and was digitized by an archivist on August 28th, 2020. This interview is being undertaken on the 9th of October, 1978, with Mrs. Grace McEachern, who is a pioneer school teacher of the Edmonton area and who has a great number of experiences of the city and the surrounding district. Now, uh, Mrs. McEachern, or Grace, if I might. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I can start by asking you just when you were born and where you were born. I was born in 1879 mm -hmm. in North Dakota. Oh, in North Dakota? Yes. Uh -huh. My parents were lived in Ontario. Yes. But when they got married, they, the West was Dakota's. It wasn't North and South, it was Dakota territory, and that's as far as the railway had come mm -hmm. west. Yeah. And so they decided to come to North Dakota. I see, yeah. And uh, we were all born there, the children. And then father decided to come back to Canada. And this was the Northwest Territories. Yeah. And there was no Alberta. It was Regina was the capital. That's right, yes. And uh, so uh, he came up first, the first week in January in uh, 1899. Mm -hmm. And he came all the way to Edmonton, did he? Yes. Mm -hmm. This was a stopping place. It didn't go over to the north side at all. The train mm -hmm. stopped on the south side. Of course, there was no bridge then, was there? No, no bridge. And there was a ferry, though. Mm -hmm. I went to Grafton Road there. You went to, that would have been John Walter's ferry? Yes. Uh -huh. It was the only one that was here then. I see. And the first bridge that was built was the low level. And that was built in 1901. Mm -hmm. I see. So, what then attracted your father, Mr. Martin, to this area? Can you recall? Well, he just heard about the Northwest Territories was opening up. Mm -hmm. Of course, you just had the Klondike Gold Rush just prior to that, didn't you? Well, there were still Klondikers. There were still Klondikers yes, going, yeah. they were outfitting them here mm -hmm. to go to mm -hmm. the Klondike. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know how he happened to hear about it. Mm -hmm. but, uh, well, once the Klondike got established, I know there were Edmonton itself undertook a lot mm -hmm. of advertisements in the east. It was Eastern just press. the old fort, you know. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, you, your father came here with the intention of farming. Yes, uh -huh. we were farming where we were mm -hmm. in Dakota, but uh, he just took a notion he wanted to come back to Canada. Mm -hmm. He he was a pioneer in Dakota, mm -hmm. so he. He didn't mind being a pioneer up here. Right, yeah, and do it twice. Mm -hmm. uh, where did your father take up uh, farming then, once he arrived? Here? Yeah. Well, do you know where the Mount Pleasant Cemetery is? So oh, yes. Well, that was part of our farm. Well, that was part of it, Yes. But you were still quite a ways out in the country then, weren't you? Well, we were just a mile from, our house was just a mile from White Island. Yeah, uh -huh. it would still be considered the country. Though, oh, yes, we had to walk that mile into school. Uh-huh, right. Yeah, 1899, that was the year that Strathcona was incorporated as a town, was in 1899. Well, it, it, when we first got here, it was called South Edmonton. Yeah, it was. And then Lord Strathcona had come, mm -hmm. and he had 
you know, donated, be given money to the library and different things, so they changed the name to Stockholm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it was quite a thriving town then. There's the old Strong Kona Foundation, a lot of other people are doing a lot mm -hmm. to publicize mm -hmm. the history of the South Side. Uh, when you came here, can you recall uh, much of the social life that took place at the time? What did you, there were no radio or television? No, there was no radio and there was no theaters, you know. Uh -huh. If we wanted a concert, we had to put it on ourselves. Yes. Was there an opera house in Strathcombe at that time, or a concert hall? Well, we just gave them in the church. In the I church? What, what church would you have? Knox, the Nightmare Street. Uh -huh. That's where most of the yes. concerts. Things. And then there was a... a if we wanted social events, the church wouldn't let us eat in the church in those days. Is that right? Yes, we had to go rent a hall, Ross's Hall. Mm -hmm. It's on White Avenue. Yeah, W.H. Ross. Yes. That's right. And uh, so we always had our social <laughs> doings in the uh, Ross's Hall. In Ross's Hall, I see. Of course, that's used for a different kind of concert these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. So. In 1899, you were 19 years old yes. then. Well, you took your schooling in North Dakota. Did you attend teacher's college in North well, Dakota? I, well, no. Well, I just had passed for a teacher, but it was no good here. Because in Dakota, they didn't teach you one thing about Canada. No. I thought Canada was all frozen up country. Uh -huh. That's all I knew about it. Yeah. And so I had to go back to school here to take Canadian history, Canadian geography, and things like that. I had to take go right back to school. Oh, I see. And then I had to go to normal school in Regina. That was the nearest normal school. Oh, is that right? So you went to, uh, you spent about a year in high school yes. here then? Yes, I had to. Yeah, well, what school would that have been? It was the old Strathcona. Uh-huh. But it's gone. It was a wooden one. Mm -hmm. and, but the old, uh, old bricks, School is still there on the same grounds. Yeah. The first right. school was called Niblock School. Niblock School. The wooden one. It's gone. D.S. McKenzie was the principal. Oh yes. Of and he he taught grade 10, 11, and 12. I don't see how he ever did it. Yeah. Okay then. So about 1900, you went. 1902. I got this school down at Ellerslie, and it was a new school just built. Mm -hmm. Nobody had ever taught there before. And I, I was green too, just out of normal school. That I was your first job? I never forgot the first day. Uh -huh. I had uh, 25 children. Seven of them couldn't speak English. Uh -huh. Some of the families were French and some were Germans. They had farmers. They came from the old country to take up land here, you see. Uh -huh. And uh, af I never forgot the first day because after the children went home at 4 o'clock, I sat at the desk and I said to myself, what in the world did I ever go to normal school for? I felt as if I had the whole world on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. But after I got things organized, you see, there was no principal or anybody to help me. <laughs> mm -hmm. You were there by yourself. After I got organized, I, uh, I enjoyed it. And I, did, I just loved teaching. Mm -hmm. So you taught all subjects then? I yes, guess. one to eight. Uh -huh. And uh, then in 1904, I got married. And you know the law in those days was a married woman couldn't teach. Is that right? That was true. No, I, I was unfamiliar with that. I and just because I got married, 
I was 24 then. Yeah. Why well, I, I had to quit. We took it off another teacher, wasn't there? That was the law. But yeah. they changed that when Alberta became a province. So that was just, uh, would just have been another year for you then? Until you could go back to Yes. Yeah. Of course, you, you married a teacher too, didn't you? Oh, yes. He, when I married him, he was principal of the Leduc School. Uh -huh. And uh, I was a second teacher. They just had one teacher in the whole of Leduc. Uh -huh. And I, they, uh, I had taught here first, and then they advertised for a teacher in Leduc, and it was more. Uh -huh. Pay, and so I uh, applied for it and I got it, uh -huh. and I had forty-five children. Mm, gosh. But then I didn't have any trouble with them. They were wonderful children, uh -huh. and uh, I, I even have all the names yet in the book. Do you? I did that every for place I went. For the Duke, that is. Yes. Uh -huh. That's quite something. Well, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about the nature of education in those days compared to today, what subjects were and how they differed? Well, we had more subjects. I don't you know why. I know when I wrote on the, the high school exams, mm -hmm. we had to write about 10 or 11 or 12 studies. We even had to write on agriculture. On agriculture? Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, arithmetic was all separated. Wasn't they didn't join subjects up together. Now I think they just have to write on about five or six. That's true, yeah, in high school. From but we had to write on about 11 subjects. Is that right? So you had, had agriculture and then... We had physiology. Physiology. Yeah, we had to... I, in those days I could name all the bones in the body. <laughs> <laughs> but they dropped those yeah. later. Yeah, amalgamated them, bottled them with biology. Yes. Hmm. Well, now, in 1904, when you got married, you had to stop teaching. Mm -hmm. When did you begin again? Well, it was, I think it was nearly the time the first war started. About ten years later, then? Eh? They, uh, they called on any married woman that has a certificate come to phone in. Mm -hmm. And I phoned in. Mm -hmm. And they put me to work the next point. Is that right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because so many of the young men had gone to war. Right, yeah. Now, I imagine uh, you had moved into Edmonton by this time, Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. So, what school would this have been then? Well, this one, for, uh, on 117th Street. It's mm -hmm. called the Oliver School. The Oliver School. Oh, mm -hmm. I see. And you taught high school there, or was it the... No, it was the public. Mostly I had the primary rooms. The primary. That was what I liked best. Now, and then later, of course, I, after my son was born, I didn't teach for a while. And then uh, later I substituted mm -hmm. because I, I didn't want to be away every day. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did quite a bit of substituting. Yeah. Uh, a while back I had an interview with a man you may know, Ernie Cook, yes. who was also an early teacher in the Vegaville area. And he tells me that uh, most of his students were Ukrainian. So most of them couldn't speak English, mm -hmm. and yet they wanted really to know practical things like agriculture mm -hmm. and uh, basic mathematics, mm -hmm. things that would help them in their farming and other jobs oh. at the time. Did you have that experience as well? Or did you have that many foreigners, really? Well, I, no, I, I just had about eight, I think, children couldn't speak a word. Mm -hmm. 
And I went there the 2nd of January, and by Christmas, those same children could get up and they spoke pieces in English. Mm -hmm. This is back at the Ellerslie School? Right? Yes. Yeah. I see. So they learned quite rapidly. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, when, uh, do you recall the year that you moved into Edmonton? I think it was in 1907. Uh, yeah, a few years after the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you lived uh, for right through the period of Edmonton's real, real growth. Oh yeah. I think it grew between 1904 and 1914. I think it grew from about 1600 to close to 50,000. Mm -hmm. Do you do you recall this this period of bloom and development very well, or the vast migration of immigrants? And <laughs> I know, I know the first few years when we were on the farm that people used to come from the old country, a lot of people, they were called Galatians. Yes. And they were stayed at the immigration hall uh -huh. and they couldn't speak a word of English. No. But father, he was on the farm and he planted, he had a lot of vegetables and he grew a lot of potatoes. Mm -hmm. So he would he came in and he got, went to the immigration hall to get some workers mm -hmm. and uh, to pick potatoes. And he took them out to the farm. Mm -hmm. And those days you would get very cheap. And I think they just got 25 cents a day mm -hmm. for the ones who were picking potatoes. And in the early days here, the highest wage was a dollar a day mm -hmm. for carpenters and things like that. Gosh, not like today at all. Oh, and teachers. The first year I taught, all I got was $40 a month. And my son, my grandson is teaching here now, and he started out with 10000 Boy. Now, in those days, 40 a month, I imagine that was just more or less enough to, to keep you in lodgings and food and clothes and just enough yes. to keep you going. Oh, your things were so much cheaper in those days. Yeah. You could buy a usual winter coat for $10. Uh -huh. And that same coat now is nearly a hundred. <laughs> When you came, you, you, do you remember the opening of the Low Level Bridge? You mentioned that you first went across by ferry and that. No, I don't remember the opening, mm -hmm. but I know that my brother-in-law was, uh, he was one of the first men that went across the bridge when they took the first uh -huh. people across. Yeah. I forgot to tell you, when we first came here in July, the whole flats were flooded, there was a big flood on. Oh yes, that was the Great Flood of the 19, great flood. 1915, it was. Yeah. No, it was 1899. Oh, that flood. Oh, yes, yes right. The whole flood. There was no drainage in those days. Uh -huh. No ditches anywhere. Yeah. I know there was also a big flood in 1915. Yes, I know. That was the second flood. Yeah. <laughs> I remember by that time we were living on the north side and my son was five years old. Mm -hmm. And he... Uh, he hadn't been very well, but he was well enough to go out to play. I let him go out in the morning at 10 o'clock. And I, after a while, I went out to see if he's all right and he wasn't there. And, uh, oh, we had to, it's awful time. We didn't find him until 3 in the afternoon. Do you know where he was? Where Down the river, 1915. Uh -huh. And when he got, uh, some strangers found him, they were out looking all over. And they, this man had said to them, is your name Donald? And he said, yes. 
So he took them and brought them home. And uh, his blouse was all wet. Mm-hmm. And I said, how'd you get your blouse wet? Well, he said, I washed my handkerchief in the river. And that was when the flood was on. That I, th- I th- thought he wouldn't be- come home alive. Yeah, that flood was quite something. Well, you were teaching school then through most of the war. Yeah. Do you remember what conditions were like? You had rations on certain things. Oh, yes. I, I had one of those ration tickets, yes. It's in my desk. It's uh, butter. Everything was rations, you know. You could just use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't bad. If the war wasn't bad enough, of course, right afterwards you had a great swine flu epidemic. That's nineteen eighteen. I took that flu myself, but I didn't take it until uh, January. And that t- by the January, the doctors knew how to treat it better. They, uh, when it first started, as soon as their temperature went down, they got up. And one man got up to answer the phone, and he died. And a lot older, hundreds of people died. And uh, then I remember when I took it, there were three of us. My son took it, and then the girl that I had helping me, we all took it the same morning. And uh, they, we called the doctor, they called the doctor. And uh, he, the first question he told us, first thing he told us, don't get out of bed for 24 hours after your temperature is down. He gave that order. They knew then, because so many people had died just by getting up too soon. Getting up, getting a chill. Yes, and the nurses from the hospital died. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody was scared. I bet you were scared when you first contacted Oh, yes. But uh, we did everything doctor told us. <laughs> we all got better, right? Yeah. Now you mentioned that um, you now live in the north side. Do you recall where your, your home was? Yes, we, uh, on 123rd Street, uh-huh. we had a house oh, there. What avenue was that? On 123rd Street and uh, the, one, uh, the first block from Jasper Avenue. Oh, way out in that. Northern. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, but the house is gone now. There's an apartment thing. Yeah. Did the streetcar come out that way in the early years? I forget what year they did come. I had a lot of first It was called number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, speaking of uh, Everton in these early years, you experienced the great boom period prior to World War One, But in 1913, you might recall, there was a big land sale by the Hudson's Bay Company in the Kingsway area. Oh, yes. And big crash. Mm-hmm. Do you recall people buying property frantically and then having to foreclose? Oh, I remember it was a crash, because there was people lived right behind me. It was a new house. This, and this was late. We had bought this house. And... Uh, the crash came and these people lost everything. They had to. Get, they moved right away. Mm-hmm. They said they lost everything they had mm-hmm. on account of that boom. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people did. I wonder if the crash and the subsequent depression affected you and your family in any way. Well, I'll tell you, my husband, after teaching for a while, he got into the government. 
and uh, that was before 1930. Mm -hmm. And uh, during the, the, they called them the dirty 30s. Yeah. Uh -huh. They. Uh, it didn't make any difference to us because he got the government job. He got a regular salary all through the mm -hmm. that period. Mm -hmm. So in the 30s, it didn't affect you. It didn't, didn't affect us. No. How about the 1913 crash and the depression right then? Can't think where it was. Yeah, well, it, you would have been in Edmonton, I assume, but you weren't directly involved in the no. crash. Well, I've heard it said by a number of people that in many areas in Alberta that the actual coming of the Depression didn't make that much difference because they didn't have that much to go on even prior to that. No. So there wasn't any real great difference between, say, the Roaring Twenties and the Dirty Thirties. No, it, it didn't affect us because uh -huh. uh, we, uh, we moved into this house in 1930. Into this one here in 1930. Yes, and uh, it was new then. And you know what we paid for it? How much? Five thousand. And now I was offered sixty thousand. Well, right. I, I wouldn't take it because I don't want to move till I have to go into a home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, there's a lot of houses going down, being replaced by big high rises. Yes. Yeah. Well, they can't build high rises on this street. Oh, I see. If it it's were, not zoned. It wasn't zoned for no. here. Eh? Unless they change the zoning law, mm -hmm. they can't build a high ground. Compensation, because I certainly know that a lot of the old buildings, a lot of the outstanding public buildings, a lot of private homes too, yes. that were very good built before mm -hmm. 1914, so many of them have come mm -hmm. down now. <laughs> well, my mother's old house is still up yet, mm -hmm. which was built in 1907. Yeah, well, now you mentioned that your husband was in the government, went in the government after a few years teaching in the city mm -hmm. here. What, what department? Uh, the education department. Oh, oh I see, yeah. yes. Uh, so uh, you, however, continued teaching for some time. Well, it oh, wasn't, not after he got into government. Oh, I see, yeah. So your teaching career uh, effectively terminated with, uh, in the 20s. Sometimes. Yes, yeah, so mm -hmm. I got interested in other things, you know. I, we were all so busy at the church. There were so few people, everybody had to do something. Yeah, the Knox Church. Yes. Uh -huh. well, when I first came here, when I was 19, I wasn't here a month till I, they gave me a class in Sunday school to teach. Mm -hmm. Eight boys, and then I had to sing in the choir. Mm -hmm. and I had to go. I took my turn at being president of the young people's system. Now, uh, in these years, uh, you raised a number of children. I believe, how many children did you have? I just had one. Just one? I lost two, two babies. Oh, you lost two. So this yeah. was... But uh, I had to bring up two grandchildren. Uh-huh. And I was nearly 70 then. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that's why I've lived so long, because I was so busy then, I hadn't time to think about getting old mm -hmm. because I had to put them all through public school, mm -hmm. university. Mm -hmm. They're both married now because the boy and the girl. Yeah. Well, what did your son do? Uh, well, he taught for a little while. Oh, he went to education as well. 
Yes, but then he went and got into the education department in the government too, mm -hmm. after my husband died. I see. So the whole family is pretty well then on <laughs> the education. And now, just my granddaughter's teaching in Vancouver, and my grandson's teaching here. Mm -hmm. This is his fourth year. And there's four generations of teachers in our family. Because my mother was a, she taught school, uh -huh. and I taught school. Did your mother teach school in? Not here. Not here, but oh, in Dakota. Yes. Uh, in your years as an Edmonton resident, I wonder if there are anything, any people, very outstanding individuals that you came contact with that uh, you recall particularly well? Well, when we first moved into this house, I used to take some university students, mm -hmm. teachers, mm -hmm. taking the teacher's course. Mm -hmm. And I had one boy, he, uh, he passed us 12 and then he came here and got his normal training. There was normal school he was in. And then after he was through, he taught a little while in the country, and then he got to be Deputy Minister of Education. Oh, I see. What was his name then? Alberg. Oh, I think Andrews Alberg? Yes. Did That's you know right. him? I didn't know him. I know of him, though. Yes. Pretty famous man. He, uh, uh, he with me. and then after he was through, his brother stayed here, too. Mm -hmm. But that was when the war was on. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, then they, uh, you know, they, he had to go to war, mm -hmm. just after he finished normal school. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot him because he uh, he was still here because he was drafted, you see. Mm -hmm. And he, then he came with his uniform on and everything to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. He was going overseas. Right. You know, he was killed. Funny thing happened. I had a feeling I'd never see that boy again. Mm -hmm. when he left. Mm -hmm. I just had that feeling when he was playing the shot. Mm -hmm. Strange. But uh, you certainly led a long and active life, I must say. And now uh, here, uh, I go to this Strascona place for senior citizens uh -huh. quite often. If there's any teeth, they always come after me and bring me home. Uh -huh. But uh, then they uh, told us that we could have our income tax looked after without paying for it, you see. Mm -hmm. They got a man, the chartered accountant, come in. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought that, that what, that's what I'll do. Mm -hmm. I have to pay for it then. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I went in, this man was kind of smiling. And uh, I didn't know him at all. And uh, then it turned out he was a boy that had stayed here when he went to normal school. Sometime ago. Thirty years before. Mm -hmm. right? And he chartered accountant. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was, when he was smiling, I didn't know what he was smiling at. I didn't know him from Adam. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then when he told me who he was, mm -hmm. you know, I remembered him well, you know. Yeah, you must have a lot of memories. I know recently you've been reported in the press. You've had some comments to make about the teachers today and their so striking. I didn't like that. 
but certainly the whole attitude towards towards teaching and towards education must have changed profoundly. Well, you see, we never thought of striking. Nobody thought of striking, even when they got just one dollar a day. Mm-hmm. There was a sense of commitment yes. to the children. Well, times have certainly changed. Yes. <laughs> Well, My grandson was out on. He had to go out whether he wanted to or not. So he was out on the picket line then. Yeah. yeah no. Well, no, he didn't. Or well, not on the picket line, but he was out. And out of, yeah. at home. Uh huh. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you certainly have experienced a lot, Mrs. McCacker. And on behalf of the archives, I'd like to thank you very much for giving us mm-hmm. this interview. I'm sure in the future there's going to be a lot of people interested in your comments and. All you had to say. Well, I'm getting pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're, you're 99 in two months now. Less than two months. Less than two months. Mm-hmm. So, growing strong. Well, I don't know. <laughs> this material is a digitized audio recording from the holdings of the City of Edmonton Archives. For more information regarding the recording, please contact us by email at cms.archives at edmonton.ca, by phone at 780-496-8711, or on our online catalog at cityarchives.edmonton.ca.